0: Check, check, check. If you're hearing the sound of my voice or watching this on YouTube, that means you now tune into another chapter of the Introverted Intuition Podcast. My name is Jeff, a.k.a. the Petty Podcaster, a.k.a. the Ambitious Introvert, a.k.a. the Leader of the Libras. As always, I got my boy with me, CR. Say what's up to the people.
1: Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's your man, CR, now no representing Jump out The Frame, JLTF. What's good? How you holding up, bro? Bro, it's been... First off, I woke up this fucking morning, all right, and I went to my fucking car, and I like the dumbass, I forgot to lock my car last night because I took my laundry out, and my hands were full, so I walked to my fucking car, and my middle console's open, and my fucking business cars are all over the place, obviously somebody went in there, you know what they stole? They stole my fucking lighter, they stole my car charger, and some sunglasses, Damn. some broke motherfuckers, bro. I can't wait to move.
0: That's crazy. That's how I
1: started. Probably, huh? if they,
0: what are they listening? Like, I be thinking shit like that. Like people you have beef with, or people who like steal from you, they end up like listening to something that you that you doing. Like they they're actually really a fan of what you do, but they don't even know you. Like I I be thinking about shit like that. But we got a we gotta guess with us. Uh, you want to introduce him? You want int- to he introduces himself? How you want to do it? Yeah, definitely. First, let me start off by telling people how I met this guy.
1: <laughs> everybody everybody who listens to the show knows what I do as a day job. I'm a fucking Lyft driver, and I love my job, because I meet dope motherfucking people all the time. But Like, this is a regular occurrence, you feel me? So this guy, I met him while working, had me rolling the whole fucking time. <laughs> was talking yeah, yeah. about his perspective on the coronavirus, and he's a raw motherfucker. Probably one of the coolest white guys I know right now. <laughs> John, please
2: introduce yourself. Uh, I don't have as fancy as names you got. My name's John, a.k.a. Uncle John. <laughs> That's what I call myself on my uh, YouTube channel, Uncle John. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was strange. We, we met on... I, I like to talk. I'm a big uh, talker. And... Uh, you got to excuse my my accent, right? I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, so I got that old-school Brooklyn accent. So just bear with me. So I I like to talk, um, and I like to get to know people, and I just can't be in a position where I'm sitting there with somebody two and a half feet away from me, and I'm in a half-hour car ride with them, and I can't talk, you know? And within the first 10 seconds, I knew that CR was, like, my kind of guy because we started talking, and we hit it off right away. So, matter of fact, it was like the first three seconds, because I said, do I have to wear my mask? And he goes, no. And I was like, thank God. (laughs) 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 And uh, so that's really it. So we had started talking that he's on this podcast all the time. And I had just started my YouTube channel last week. And I got two videos, and I'm actually working on a third one. And uh, I DM'd him. We exchanged Instagrams. I said, you know, it would be pretty cool if I come on yours. And then when you're ready, you come on mine. And
0: then that's really it. Here we are. That's like, that's dope. That's like, I've, I never thought of Lyft and Uber as like networking opportunities. Like, a, it's like a networking event, like a traveling networking event all day for
2: as long as you want to work. All day. Yeah, hold on one second. Let me close this, this door. Yeah, no problem. But
1: yeah, but yeah that's like how I th- thought of it when I first started doing it. I'm like, yo, I'm going to take an opportunity and meet a lot of different people from this.
2: My wife is downstairs with one of our girlfriends. <clears throat> and since there's no fucking work tomorrow, they're, <laughs> they're, they're drinking wine and hanging out. So they get the more wine they drink, the louder they get. So I just close the door. It's about to be one of those nights. <laughs> yeah, it's just two of them. And they talk about nothing. Like, I, you know, sometimes I'll go downstairs, I'll hang out with them for five minutes, and they talk about nothing, like nothing of substance whatsoever. <laughs> Like reality TV, and they'll talk about, uh, you know, what nail color they have on, what hair color they have on. They'll talk about shit that I know my wife disagrees with. (laughs) Like, what happened? We lost. There we go. Yeah. Like I know my wife's political agenda. I know her belief system. And she, for the sake of just hanging out with her girlfriends, just goes along with it. Just, yeah, yeah, no problem. And I, <laughs> God forbid, I bring up something, she, like, a- attack right away. And I'm like, how come you don't do that to me? But me, right away. And it could be the stupidest shit. We could be talking about, like, uh, uh, like a TV show or we'll watch watch, you know? Yeah. We were, watching, we were watching this movie, and uh, <clears throat> it was about a female vampire. This kid, female vampire, and the way she survived was <clears throat> the way she survived was to manipulate another man to get her to bring victims to her. Because she was only like 12 years old. She only looked 12 years old, but she was like 500 years old. So I said, "That's exactly what a woman would do. Was would be manipulated by <laughs> to help her survive." And then before you know it, I'm in the doghouse because I spoke the truth, and, and then she shitting all of me. But I guarantee you, <laughs> If her girlfriend said that shit right now, like, she'll wife, my wife would be like, yep, that's how we do it.
0: Yep. <laughs> 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 that's
2: so that's, that's actually my YouTube channel. I talk about relationships, human nature, differences in, in gender, uh, so on and so forth, because I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. I have a master's degree in business, so I decided that that plus I'm a lot older than you guys. I'm 44 years old. That plus like life experience, and plus I'm pretty honest, like painfully. I, I think I should start it and give it a shot and see see how we do.
0: And now we're here. So it's a it's a podcast, but like YouTube form only. Or are you gonna do iTunes and all that stuff eventually?
2: Uh, yeah, the truth of the matter is, uh, I could actually make it. I could actually bullshit you and say I'm only doing YouTube because I'm good looking. But <laughs> the truth is, the truth is, I can't figure out how to get it up and running on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, like it, I'm, like I'm banging my laptop. I'm like, why won't this go up? It's just because I'm old and I don't know. I'm not tech savvy. So that's really all it is.
0: It's there's a YouTube video for everything, so. <laughs> That's uh, what I'm
2: trying to do. I don't know. I'll figure it out sooner or later. I'm only got two videos, but <clears throat> as of right now, the YouTube channel's you know so far so good. So anyway, all right. I uh I gotta stop talking. And let you guys talk. Hold up. You're an honest person, though. Did
0: you give Cr a five star? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, no, but to be Why honest, though. Be I so was so just true? driving. Like, did you feel scared at any point? Feel scared at any point? Why would I feel scared?
2: Because he's black?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like. I've been in the car with CR a few times. I kind of was scared for my life a few times. <laughs> I can drive.
2: drive uh, I can uh, drive, right? I'm more scared with a Jewish driver. I think they're going to
0: fuck me out of money. <laughs> 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 Yo, it feels good to just laugh and have, like, honest conversations like this because, like, it's been a heavy... It's just been a heavy 2020 in general, man. Like
2: Yeah, it's it started off with Australia on fire, right? Yeah. And then, and then right into Corona, and then into, uh, there was a small segment of Killer Hornets, if you remember that shit, right? Yeah. And, then, and then right into uh, uh, George Floyd and, and, uh, and, the, um, and the protesting and the riots and so on and so forth. So it's been a shit show 2020. For yeah. me, all this
0: bullshit kinda started when Kobe died. It seemed like there was just like an endless. I, thought, bike uh,
2: Kobe, I was about to say, I'm yeah, right Sorry before about on. that. Yeah. With, with all this other crap, Kobe gets brushed on a rug and 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 I was a big Kobe fan too.
0: Yeah, man. I sneakers that are like tucked away now, I won't wear them
2: anymore. You yeah.
0: know? It's it's been exhausting as fuck, man. Like I, I I've been going. I just like I had to actually like delete social media off my phone for like a like a good like week and a half because I just find myself getting to rabbit hole after rabbit hole after every like a new situation popping up. Five black men lynched this entire week. Like it's just it's just it's insanity, man. But I think it's good that you started this YouTube channel at this time because people do need that silliness
2: as yeah. well as the seriousness. Right. Yeah, when I was talking to my wife about it and I was talking to my niece. That's another thing I gotta say, I mean I gotta say it on the next one. My nieces are in their twenties, right? right? So her girlfriend, their girlfriends gave me questions to ask answer on the second second episode. And then people are saying, Your niece, what are you answering questions from a ten year old girl? I'm like, No, my nieces are in their fucking twenties. Well you psychopath <laughs> So I, I got I to gotta square that out, but um, yeah, the whole idea of YouTube was like, I am not going to talk about coronavirus, I am not going to talk about um, uh, the, um, the riots and so on and police brutality because I feel like people are getting a fill of it and they just need to laugh. But if somebody asks me about it, then of course I'll talk about it. Right.
0: And that's, that's it. Do do you uh, do you and your wife like talk about it in private, like about what's going on?
2: Yeah. Yeah. My, me and my wife are more. Um, <clears throat> me and my wife are more liberal-minded than most. Um, we're more open-minded than most. You gotta understand my background, and then you, and then you'll understand. I I grew up in in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, in the eighties into the nineties, and then we moved to Staten Island. Okay. Bentonhurst in the in the nineties has started really changing. In the eighties, seventies, eighties, and before that. It was all Italian and God forbid anyone of color walk through the neighborhood. Like you took your life in your hands. Literally. Okay. But I never, my parents weren't inherently racist. Like they weren't, they weren't racist for a couple of reasons because my mother is 85 years old. They grew up before the civil rights movement. Right, mm-hmm. they grew up in the in the in the 1950s. They were married in 61. It's the next generation, from my experience, the next generation that grew up in the 60s and 70s that became the more when 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 black Americans came up from the south and moved into the projects. Because when my parents grew up, they, they grew up in Red Hope, Brooklyn, and the projects was still all Italian and Irish and white, mostly Italian. <coughs> Right? By the time my parents got married and started having kids, that's when the change started happening, you know? And if anybody knows anything about marriage, once you get married to having kids, you're in like this tunnel of, I have to provide for my kids and everything else is secondary. So I didn't really grow up with parents that taught me racism. I lived in a, in a neighborhood where a lot of it, not all, not everybody, but there was an element of racism that, that was extreme. And then <clears throat> once the neighborhood started changing, uh, we we moved we because moved my father started making a lot of money when I was a kid. We moved to the suburbs in Staten Island. But I was in, I lived in the neighborhood. I don't know if you guys are too young or if you, you know your, I'm sure you guys know your history. I was living there when Al Sharpton was protesting against Youssef Hawkins and Bensonhurst when that guy stabbed him in the chest. Mm. Uh, So I, but for whatever reason, whatever it is, my education or um, just being self-aware, just internalizing my own values, uh, I just, I just knew it was wrong. You know, I just knew it was wrong. And my wife. It was, my wife grew up in a neighborhood that was a little bit more mixed in North Jersey and Bloomfield, New Jersey. Yeah. So it was a little bit, she went to Bloomfield High, so it was a little bit more mixed, so on and so forth. Where I grew up more of a, in a bubble, right? More like if you were an Italian, it was, no, it was like, oh, you know, those, those people were different, whatever it was, you know? And uh, so that was, that's my background. So in that background, I'm the odd one out, so I'm a little bit more liberal-minded than, or open-minded, if you will, than, than 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 most of that come from that background. So, with that being said, right, because,
1: you know, we got to ask you the uncomfortable-ass questions. Go right ahead. You know what I'm saying? You know, I love it. So, do you feel like white privilege exists because there's some white people who think white privilege doesn't exist? What do you think? White privilege
2: exists to a certain extent. Explain. Well, white privilege exists where I don't have to worry about... I don't have to go into a store or go into a, uh, a, an Uber or a Lyft and have somebody look at me like, am I gonna do something wrong? Which is what you guys are subjected to, right? Yeah. Facts. So, so for example, a white person will invite their black friend from work over to their house for a barbecue, right? Yeah. And they'll have their whole white family there and white friends, and they'll be like, "Well, they get along really good with their black friends. They invite them over." But they wouldn't subject themselves to the same thing. They wouldn't go over there. They're not, the not going to go to the old, because they're going to feel a certain way. They're yeah. not going to feel comfortable, and that there's a certain privilege to that. And um, there, is, there is white privilege to us to a certain extent. Yeah, there is. I mean, the I mean, you know. Um, I think it's, I think with generations, it's getting less and less because I think I've, in, in my lifetime, I've seen the black community get better and better as far as politics, business, uh, music, um, uh, tradesmen, um, education, you know, and, um, so the next generation is becoming somewhat privileged, like, you know, like, uh, uh, like, a, you know, a Kobe's kids or, a, you know, uh, 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 you know, no. uh, you know, uh, any anybody famous or or a celebrity, those, those kids yeah. uh, have have kind of like, but yeah, of course, there's white privilege, but to oh, to a certain extent, there's white privilege, of course. You know, you'd yeah. be you'd be ignorant to say that there's nothing, but like I said, it it, it, com- it that's what it comes down to. Like it, I can, <clears throat> I don't have to. When I get pulled over by a police officer, right? I don't. My biggest fear is I'm going to get a fucking ticket. And my and my points are going to go up on my license, right? Right. I don't fear for my life. That's privilege. That's a privilege. Next question. <laughs> 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 but like,
0: I, I I agree with you, and I feel like there's. Two sides to that. I feel like it's not next generation. I feel like it's still current generation people around, maybe around your age, who are utilizing their privilege the wrong way. Like there's there's videos and videos out there of uh, even in, in, in I think it was a Central Park, like uh, the the white lady Amy something that they made yeah. like, that of the law after. Yeah. Like she literally called the guy the, the cops on the guy, and she and she was like she was aware that when she made the call that nothing would happen to her. It would be strictly yeah. to the guy.
2: Right? Yeah. People go back to their roots. So what I mean mean by that is people go, when a person is angry, they go back to what hurts the most. Right? Mm -hmm. So I'm pissed off and this black guy is bothering me. Right? And emotionally, on a certain, on another, on on another situation, she would have controlled that thought process. Even though it still exists inside her, she would have controlled it. She would have said, I would not, I'm not gonna say that, right? And she would say, I would never say anything like that. But once the emotion kicks in, right? And then they and then she loses control, then it comes out. And it comes out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you are, out of everyone you were around growing up, at least, that you were the most open minded, the most liberal. Is that still a fact today? Like, do you have people around you that whose beliefs and ideals are way more left or right than yours, and but you still accept them as a friend? I, I don't, I don't, uh,
2: I don't not, I don't stop being friends with somebody, somebody because of their political agenda. I'm friends with somebody because of their character as a friend to me. So if you're uh, Trump supporter and your ideology agrees with this with that Trump supporter, but you're a good friend to me And I know you would lay down in traffic for me. I don't not I don't not be friends with you because of that And and, and the and, and the complete opposite if you are, you know uh, a liberal or an extreme liberal or you are a minority group and you have a different ideology but you're a good friend to me and you're good to my wife and we have other things in common, and you're good to me, and I know that you're going to lay that out of traffic. for me, as I would for you, that means more to me than your political ideology. I think
0: in, the, in a weird way, that's kind of privileged in a way, because if someone, for example, is someone I'm connected to who is supporting Trump, nothing about Trump's rhetoric and what he believes in is good for me and the people who look like me. So I feel like... I'm not saying that's wrong. Like, yeah, you can you can have relationships with people, but I think you should get to a certain point when people who are believing in and supporting people who skew nothing but hate and divisiveness, like, I think this shouldn't really matter. Maybe I'm too... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to separate the line between, like, personal and, like, beliefs and business, stuff like that. It's all personal. to me.
2: Well, it's difficult. and It's difficult because when it comes to politics, now you're talking about a belief system, right? Mm-hmm. And once you attack, quote-unquote, somebody's belief system, then you become emotionally uh, insulted. And then you say, I don't want to be with this person. Me and CO had this conversation driving, and she probably remembers, but... <clears throat> I'm a sewer worker in New York City. I know. I have two degrees, and I'm a fucking sewer worker. I know. That's a whole other story. I'm, I'm ankles deep in shit, in human feces, with with somebody next to me who is African American and has a particular ideology and I have another person next to me who is white and has an opposite ideology and we're both shoveling shit for a living we have more in common than any of that political ideology matters whatsoever Right. whether they can see it or not we have more in common We're all working hard. We're all in a disgusting job. We're all trying to provide for our families. We're all paying taxes. We're all trying to bring our kids up right. And I don't believe that because of who I vote for, that's going to wedge me between either one of those people. Now, it has gotten me in trouble before. Now, what I mean by that is uh, I had a barbecue a few years back, and I invited everybody. And one of my friends says, it's, if so-and-so's coming, I'm not coming. And I was really hurt because that person meant a lot to me. That person was at my wedding. That person was at my bachelor party. That person went to my bodybuilding shows. Did I stop bodybuilding in 2014? I, I, I've been to his house. I've been with his kids. And that hurt. that meant a lot to me. And I felt terrible that he wouldn't come because I invited somebody else. I didn't know what to do. Like, I was in the middle. I was stuck. So, I was just like, I, I actually caved, and I said to him, look, dude, if that's the case, I want to invite him. You know? And I, and I, and I probably shouldn't have done that. I, sh- I should have said, look, everybody's invited. I- Did he
0: freeze? Okay. It froze for a second. Sorry.
2: Oh, sorry. Um, And that's basically uh, what happened but luckily that person um, we kind of reconciled everything and and he wound up coming and then he pulled me aside and he said to me John don't ever think we're not friends we'll we'll always be friends and that meant a lot to me because him and I had the same kind of thought pattern if we're friends then I'm going out of my way for you and he would I know he would go out of my way Go out of his way for me and um, that that means a lot to me so I was ready to sever relationships with somebody because I didn't want to lose his, his friendship even though I know it's my decision that I don't let those thought patterns ideologies get in the way of my of, in the way of my relationship but other people do. and then inadvertently it gets me It got me in that position but ever since then, I've never, never had a, never had. That was the only one time I ever had a problem with the way I conduct myself with friends and so on, and so forth. Hmm. I, I respect that.
0: And oh, so you mentioned two things. I'm uh, in the midst of that, bodybuilding, psychology like degree, three things, and working in the sewer. Which yeah. came first?
2: Bodybuilding. I've been bodybuilding since I'm. I remember. You guys don't remember, but. Bodybuilding, this is one thing I'm proud of, and this is the one thing that I was uh, really upset with, uh, with the rioters in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know if you saw this. Bodybuilding is the only sport, if you want to call it a sport, that never had any racism whatsoever. The second Mr. Olympia in the mid-'60s was Cuban. He was as dark as you guys. His name was Sergio Oliva, one of the greatest bodybuilders that ever, that ever lived. And this was the mid-'60s. He was the second He was the second, uh, Mr. Olympia. He won three years in a row, and it almost came along and beat him. It was always the best man won, that, that that was it. And if you if you look at the top five of the uh, Olympia every year, they're usually black. And it's been that way, with the exception of one or two guys like Dorian Yates or Jay Cutler, but it's been that way for the last 40 years or so. Um, but that came first. Anyway, uh, they destroyed a statue of Ronald Schwarzenegger in Columbus, Ohio. They, I don't <laughs> know if the They painted his hands red, did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they wrote, "My, my your, uh, there's blood on your hands. I don't know what Arnold has anything to do with it, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other story. But that came first. I've been in love with bodybuilding forever, but I just didn't have the genetics to go all the way. That's just the God's honest truth. No matter how much I ate, no matter what I took, no matter how much I trained, I just didn't have the size that these pro guys have. I don't. I just That just didn't happen. So then my father... Uh, Getting uh, getting on to my education. My father always pushed education on me. because He was a blue-collar guy. He was an electrician. My brothers are a lot older than me. My oldest brother is 14 years older than me. They became electricians. I was the accident child, right? I was the oops baby. My grandfather was an electrician. My my other grandfather was a longshoreman. So my father pushed education on me. Well, you gotta go to school, you gotta go to school, you gotta go to school. So I believed it. I went to school. And did I do good? I, I I was a B student, but I had to study really hard to get that B. Right? And I went, I got a degree in psychology, and then I got a degree in business. And then I went to the world, I went into the finance world, and I fucking hated it. I hated it with a passion. And then finally, after a couple of years of doing that, it was in my 20s, I just, I just I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I am unhappy. I can't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. And then I picked up the pair of pliers, and I remember the first day I went to work with my brothers, and I was like, This is, this is the first day I already know this is what I'm supposed to do. So it was just like, I don't know if it's just instinctual, if it's in my blood I you know, I don't know what it is, but blue collar jobs and building stuff and whatnot always just came a lot easier for me, you know? And, uh, then what happened was, and then uh, the sewer, right? Okay. So what happened was I was working as an electrician back in 2011 when the economy was real shit and um i kept getting laid off i kept getting laid off and i could start taking new york city tests and uh they called me for the sewage uh the dep called me for the sewage uh sewage treatment worker right. and you had to have so many years of a trade you had to have a you know, cdl and i had all these things i took the job because it was a new york city job is it, it, once you become permanent it's really difficult to, to get fired you got you know, benefits for the rest of your life. You and your you and your family you have a retirement. You got a pension. You got a 401k, and you got good pay. You got really good pay. We we probably get paid the best out of all the uh, city workers, and that's because with sewer work, there's only 800 of us, right? And for we, the whole city, in the whole city, how you know why would you need so many guys to take care of the sewer? I mean, it's it, the shit's right. closed, and that's really, it. Damn. it's not like you need you know 5,000 cops or 5,000 firemen, you know? Yeah. And then plus you have to have a trade behind you. They they they. You you need three years of a trade, and you need a W. You need three years W two to show that, and you need a CDL. So, uh, when I first got hired, my base was seventy two thousand a year, seventy six thousand a year, and that was eleven years ago. Wow! Yeah. So, um, and it was a no brainer. Once they called me, I was like, "That's it. I'm done." And so, that's how that worked. You need an
0: apprentice or something. I'm I'm looking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you need uh, you need a trade and you and you need to live in, in somewhere in New York City and then they allow some parts of possible Island, certain Parts of State, so on and so forth. But like going if back to the body
1: know, oh, go ahead. If I don't know everything I know now, I would have went to trade school instead of college. I enjoy college and I took advantage of what I of everything I learned, but I would have went to trade school.
2: Yeah. yeah one of a, so go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. One of the things the left has really um, kind of ruined this country is the fact that everybody needs to go to college. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Some people are better with their hands. And I didn't know I was until I actually started working with my hands. Right? I mean, look, if you need, want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a social worker, or a veterinary whatever whatever it is, yeah you gotta go to college. But if you're if you're in high school and you barely graduate and your parents are still pushing you to go to college, obviously school isn't your forte, right? I mean if you're paying someone barely passing someone a 70, you know, you, you probably should think of something else besides college. Obviously studying is not for you, right? And uh, that's where a trade comes in tradesmen make in New York City local free electricians their base salary not supervisors just local free electricians is $54 an hour plus benefits plus a pension plus a 401k plus overtime plus holidays so on and so forth you're making a hundred thousand without even turning your head and you have benefits and and a retirement for the rest of your life, and you can become licensed and open up your own business Exactly, you know, and that's why that's why like for me like
1: the part where you said like if you weren't getting good grades and everything like that you want to look into it, I, I I I was thinking the other side of the spectrum like cause I got good grades and all that I should go to college right but I I'm thinking if I would have went to trade school with the intelligence that I had used while I was in college I would have mastered any trade that I would have chose to. And I would have been making that bread, you know what I'm saying? Right. That's why I'm saying, like, I could have applied that same pressure to right. a trade rather than a degree, and I would have I would
2: have been flourishing with that. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm mean. let's face it, when you're 18 years old, you don't know what you want. How fucking uh, you, you have no idea. And that's when good parenting comes in, that's when you need guidance, right? Yeah. And that's what happened to me. My father was so you need to go to school, right? He was so set that that's what I I was driven to, right? I got to listen to my father, right? He knows best. I went to school. I don't have kids, but I would look at it like this. If I have a kid and he's in high school and he's graduating with honors, right? He's got 95s across the board. Then I'll do whatever it takes to get him into the best college he possibly can. But if I got a kid and he is graduating with 70s, then I'm going to say, maybe you should try a trade school. Yeah. And if I got a kid who's graduating with the in the 80s, I would say, why don't you go to a community school, take a few classes, and see what you like before you may make any heavy decisions, before we make any serious decisions. That would be my, if I had children, that would be my plan if it came to those crossroads. But, I get it. but you know, but college is just, I'll give you an example. This is a pretty good example. I have two nephews, and they're both really good kids. All right? And obviously one's 28, the other guy's about 27. 27-year-old barely graduated high school he couldn't go to the prom and he couldn't go to uh, graduation because he got into a fight with a kid in, in high school and hit him in the head with a chair and sent the kid to the hospital right yeah. so he, he was a little bit of a rough kid and he graduated with the 70s but his mother my sister-in-law who was the greatest person in the world was like you're going to college no matter what right so the kid goes to college he does so so in college he gets out of college and he goes to work for his uncle because his uncle has a, a food and beverage distributor. And he could have did that right out of high school, and you didn't have to you have to pay a hundred, hundred, hundred fifty thousand to the college. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but, you know, it, it turns out he's, he's a good. turn out to be a good kid. He was just a little he was a little rough, a little wild when he was young. But you know, and he, and you know he had good good family behind him to push him in the right direction. But you know, he didn't have to go to college. Because he could have went right to work for his
0: uncle. You know? Yeah, for me, like, I wasn't forced into college. Like, I, I worked for two years after high school. But the way college is advertised, it's like, there is a life at the end of town. There is a job lined up for you at the end of it, right? And that's where I feel like I had no other options. I was just working and saving money, not really, with no real plan. So I kind of was like, I kind of stumbled into college. Right. And
2: it worked out somehow. Yeah, it's but, it's difficult. When, you, when you're a 17, 18, 19 twenty twenty one. I mean you really don't know what you want. Uh, only the very few, only the very gifted know what they want. Like, you know, LeBron James knew he was gonna be a pro basketball player since junior high school, right? But yeah, none, none of us are in that are in that position. And that's when, you know, when if, when you if you come if you come from good family, those are the people that are supposed to guide you in those years. Those are the crucial years, you know. Um and uh, you know some people have it like that, where you know they have a father or a mother or both. Where it's just, and some people don't. And you know, and it's just it's and and, and you you almost could see how they, they slip off, you know, if they don't have that that uh, guidance. You know? I
1: agree hundred percent because like for me growing up, I was always getting good grades and I was always getting honor roll, but my parents, they didn't give me any direction on where where I should go with my education. Like, I had no type of guidance on even how to apply for college, how to get financial aid. It was because my parents are immigrants, so they came from Haiti. But my mom did go to a community college in New York, and she got her associates, but my dad never went to college. So he was always working. He was one of those people who always worked with his hands as well. So it was like, I can understand now being an adult why they didn't really have a perspective on, you know, what kind of advice to give me. Because if I, I felt like if I would have gotten more advice earlier, I would have been on track sooner. Like, I'm on track now, but I'm 27 turning 28. And that was after a lot of self-reflection, a lot of trial and error, you know, a lot of doing things on my own because I'm an only child, just like Jeff. Jeff's an only child. So... I had to try a lot of stuff out on my own to figure out it wasn't for me mm-hmm. so
2: a lot of time was used up during that yeah think about how difficult that it was and you had both parents you had good hardworking parents think about how difficult it is for somebody who was growing up with a single mother who has to work two jobs you know <laughs> that's for- and
1: that that shit puts everything in perspective yo because i didn't i didn't realize that other people's realities were that much harder until I started getting older and started realizing the different households people come from. Then I started understanding why some people drop out of school, right. why some people, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, like, even for somebody in New York City, and you gotta take three trains to get to school every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. That, it's, it's, it's like, everybody's reality is different. That's hard.
2: It is, and it's and it's very difficult for people to understand and be, uh, and be sympathetic to somebody else's reality. And th- and that's when, it that's when, that's when self-awareness and being open-minded and listening and processing what you listen, what you hear helps uh, because that's, I, to me, that's the most difficult part and that's, that's the most difficult part for when some white people don't understand why black people are so frustrated. Well, it's because it's not your reality we never went through what they went through. So you right. can't understand it. I can't understand it. I try to pay attention, right? I'm not going to sit here and say, I understand it. I don't. Things never happen to me that happen to you. But I try to pay attention, and I try to understand, and I try to listen. And when I do listen to somebody who really knows that they're talking about somebody educated, and then I go, that really, really makes sense. I, could, I, I don't want to say I understand, but I could kind of sympathize with them with the frustration. Right, right. But most, I think most people, I think a lot of white people. You see, the the, the white the white people that are rioting now, or or, or um, protesting now, they're very young, right? They're very very they're very very young. This is a shock to them, right? When they saw this on social media, this was shocking. My God, how could this happen? This is going to be sad to say, but when I was 44 years, I'm 44 years old. When I saw that video, the first thought was my first thought was that cop deserves to be in jail. My second thought was here we go again, right? Because I've lived through, like I said, Youssef Hawkins. I've lived through Rodney King. I uh, I lived through Baltimore. You know, all, all you know this is throughout my entire entire life. I grew up in a neighborhood where uh, a black person had a fear for their life if they walked through that neighborhood, and I'm dead serious. Dear to their life. Youssef Hawkins was killed in the neighborhood I grew up in. Right. He was shot because he was, I think he was shopping for a he was shopping for a used car, I think. And and the, and it was in Bensonhurst. And the and thank God New York City is not like this anymore. It's not diverse like it was years ago. It's very, very mixed now and it's very, very um, safe to be in now. It's completely different from what it was years ago. But there was a group of Italian kids from the neighborhood that just saw the guy in in shopping for a car, and they didn't want him there. And I think I don't know how many there were, ten or twelve. And one guy, one guy, he's still in jail now. Uh, shot and killed him. Right? And I I lived through that, so it's a matter of me being callous, which which it unfortunately is true. But at the same time, it doesn't shock me, and I'm glad that it shocks the young people. Because maybe they're they're the ones that could actually do something.
0: Right. And we need we need young people as well as people like who are older to be more aware and to wanna make a difference, right? But I think the real issue where it starts is like, I I feel like we have this conversation on this podcast before it's like we need to go to the source of the problem, like the source of the racism, the white people. White white people started this, they should be the ones to finish it, right? But you can't go up to someone who's 78. Uh, war war veteran and, like, try to speak to them and tell them what's going on is wrong. Like, they, in their mind, this is just their reality, but it's just a new year, right? So it's like, we could sit down and have conversations about this all day, but is what's going on right now, like, the only solution? Like, the rioting, not, not the looting, I don't really agree with the looting, but the rioting, the protesting, like, is, is this was this bound to happen i feel like is this is this what's
2: supposed to happen in order to make a real change well it's gonna happen this is the first time this is the first time in my life that i actually saw any at least serious talks about change right and i think it's because of social media yeah i think think it's because it's definitely because of social media it's also because of September 11th. So what I mean by that is after September 11th, there's a hell of a lot more surveillance on the street than there was before September 11th.
0: Right.
2: So you're being videoed constantly. Think about how bad it was before that. Think about how bad police brutality before cell phones, before social media, before, uh, surveillance. Think about how bad it was back then when you knew you could get away with it, you know? You knew, oh, I just, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, we found the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now- Uh, Let me, let me, here's the other part of the story, which is, is, is a little less difficult for me to talk about. Being a cop is not easy, all right, Um, but here's, here's the thing, you're taking, New York City is not nearly as bad as, as it was right now, you know, if you're in like Chicago or 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 uh, uh, St. Louis or uh, Baltimore. It's a little worse than New York New York City is really nice right now. It's not nearly what it was. But anyway, you take a white kids from like, upstate New York, Long Island, that all they know is being white, and they live this you know kind of like middle class suburban, you know maybe lower middle class kind of lifestyle, and you know um, and they really don't really. Oh, white school or whatever. Maybe there might be a few black. And then that kid goes, what am I going to do for a living? Well, you know what? I'm going to take some city tests. I'm going to take the fireman test. I'm going to take the New York City test. I'm going to take the cops test. I'm going to take my test, the one I took, right, to become a sewer worker. I'm going to take all these tests. New York City calls the cops call you. They're the first ones to call you because they need, the most. they need the most people. So they call. Boom. Okay. Oh, yeah. Great. I'll be a cop. I'll be out 20, 25 years. I'll get a gun. Uh, you know, it'll be cool. They don't know what they're getting into. Because now they're taken from their neighborhood and they're put in the worst parts of the Bronx. I'm just using New York City as an example. They're put into the worst part of the Bronx. They're put into the worst part of Harlem. They're put into the worst parts of Brooklyn, and they go here. Figure it out. Now, do they get training? They get training, but they don't get sufficient am- amount of training. Uh, I mean, you know, six months in, like you know, the police academy is not gonna get you ready for that. Um, I think it's actually four months. I think I read. Well, that's even.
0: I think it's actually like, they get four months of like training and evaluation and stuff like that, oh, I, and then I, they I,
2: can I, just be out on the street or wherever. Like, yeah. So now, <laughs> you know, ninety. Not, not now. You're talking about people who've never seen anybody shot, never seen anybody named, maybe never even seen a fistfight or been in a fistfight in their life. Right? They never showed up at a car accident with somebody's dead body. And they go to these neighborhoods where it's primarily black or Spanish. So not only can it be a real serious uh, suffering of PTSD, but now it's creating a bias. Now it's going, well, this is the only exposure I have to black people or Hispanic people. Look how they act, right? It is the, it is the same scenario as if you talked to a doctor two months ago about, about how big the coronavirus is. And they go, it is horrible. People are dying because that's all they see. They're in the eye of the storm. But if you just look on the outside a little bit, it's not that bad, right? I have plenty of black friends, and they're all, we're all on the same page. We're trying to work hard, uh, have a nice life, raise kids, so on and so forth. But they, those cops don't see that. And I'm not justifying it. But that's the reality, okay? Um, then the other problem is the other problem is the hiring process, right? Because they need so many people, okay? All right. Uh, statistically speaking, right? The, uh, the, uh, anybody below an IQ of 83, okay? Three. Can't really function day to day. They can't really hold out a job with anything, any kind of real, uh, it's anything real substantial, right? So you go, well, how many people, I like that, 10%. 10% is a lot of people. And those people slip through the cracks. I work with some of them, right? Okay, I work with some of them, but we go, we go, hey, so-and-so, you know what, just go sweep up over there, we'll talk to you later. So now these people slip through the cracks in the police department, mostly because they need bodies, they need people, right? And, but life and death is on the line as well, right? And now, and then you give them a badge and a gun and, and the abuse of power and authority, and they can't handle it. There are cops out there that are better than that. There are cops out there that know how to treat people, that are respectful and know that they'll get respect back, and so on and so forth. And we, we we've seen it, right? That video with Shaquille O'Neal, where that guy goes to the police call and they're playing basketball, and the guy goes, you know, just keep it down. But you know, I start playing basketball with the kids, and that's how it should be. But that's not how it ha- that's not how it is all the time. Um, but that small percentage of people can create a problem because the hiring process for the police department needs to be a lot more stringent. And this is just my opinion, right? This is just... And I think, uh, the uh, psychological evaluation needs to be stringent. They'll give you a psychological evaluation at the beginning of your career when you're not exposed to all these things. But what about five, ten years down the line when you are exposed to these things? And now you have to act. You're acting different, right? Now you're now you possibly have severe PTSD, right? How many times you're you're stressed out at the job and you go home and you just fucking pissed off, right? Yeah. And you take it out on your wife or your brother or whatever. Or you kick the dog or whatever, right? That can't be allowed to happen in, in the police department because you're dealing with life and death. So my suggestion is have a psychological evaluation twice a year see if that person is still stable to take this job you know and if they're not there's plenty of other departments they could work in or offer or them help you know psychological help so on and so forth and you gotta you gotta be able to read out these bad apples somehow because yeah. these bad apples kind of you know then the media just focuses on them and it just blows up but i like i like the perspective that you're giving because we We need
1: to hear the other side of that, you know what I'm saying? Because I do agree with some of the things that you're saying. Like, for one, you know, I I was having this conversation with another one of my friends. um, We were talking about how a lot of officers, they are people who've never been exposed to that type of environment. So a lot of the times they are reacting because they're scared. You You can't teach experience. You can't. You have right. to just experience things. You have to go through certain things. So, like, if they've never experienced, you know what I'm saying, being around a bunch of crips from Newark, you know what I'm saying? You don't right. know how to how to approach them to right. make them respect you or to, okay. so that way you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, then you're going to feel threatened, you're going to feel scared, and right. you're going to feel nervous, and that's when they fuck up and mm-hmm. they do something, like shoot somebody, because they thought that their cell phone was a gun. That's because right. in their mind, right. it really was a gun. Right.
0: Right. right. And, and, I, it, and I feel it was even maybe it should go maybe department by department first, right? But, like, have like, a lot, some of that budget that the police get to have, like, a resident therapist that, like, mandatory sessions with these people. Like, because, right. like, we're saying, like, they have, they have PTSD, like, they're, they're watching the news like we are. They're fucking seeing people say, and I say it sometimes, too, like, there are no good cops out there they are just all trying to kill us. Like, everyone's on defense, right? Right. So I feel like yeah, to to protect yourself. Yeah, you should be on defense as well. But you need to cleanse your mind to have a job like that. Like it should be more strict. Like even people, even veterans who come home, like and then they then they become police officers. They're so fucked up with what they experience. Like it's just a all. It's just a bad cycle of not really supporting people's mental health. And that's where I feel like where it all starts and ends. Yeah, and I and I agree with that. And that's why I like when John was talking about
1: having a mandatory. Uh, you know. Two, two evaluations a year. I think that that's really, really realistic. I feel like that could be an effective change and it'll be a way for us to really decide who's mentally fit to be an officer. You know, where do you belong behind a desk or do you belong in the field? You know, no. maybe what? necessarily you don't have to lose your badge altogether, but you just won't be anywhere where you can hurt anybody, you know what I'm saying? Or if we can work through the stuff that you're dealing with that makes you feel that way. Like, it, that evaluation can really change a lot of what's going on, I think. If it was taken seriously and applied everywhere.
2: Here's another suggestion that actually a friend of mine uh, suggested. And he said, if you're from Harlem or you're from, and I'm, I'm just using these uh, neighborhoods as an example. If you're from an inner city, part of the Bronx, Newark, Patterson, whatever, and and you get that job of being a police officer you should work in that neighborhood I right? agree. because you know the families and you know the kids in that neighborhood and they will automatically know you and respect you right and then you should be partnered up with somebody who is not from that neighborhood so you can teach them right, right. because i can't you know how many times like when i when i looked in brooklyn when i lived in pet you know how many times you know, I might have been messing around or was out late and uh, in front of my father's or in front of my mother's. What are you, what are you doing out here? You know, go home. Did you fall home? Are you home this late? And you respect that person because you know them. And you know that they know your parents. If a police officer is that to you, you know, you're just like, ah, get the fuck out of here. Fuck you. Right? But if that same person who is a police officer also knows your family, it's a different reaction. It is. You know, I, but these really are just agree. small suggestions that possibly could help Things are a lot more complicated. But, listen, you got to start somewhere, right? It, it, but it's, like, fucked up. Like, these cops,
0: like, they go through this training, these 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 these, these training sessions, and they, they know the proper protocol with each escalation of a situation. And they just completely disregard it. Like, it, like yeah. in all these situations that have happened recently, I feel like the cops have literally skipped from step A to step Z and then end the situation in the most drastic way possible.
2: And, and it's like... Is- and there's a reason there's a reason for that. There's no there's there's, there's no circumstance. There's there's no punishment. So if I if, if I if I work at a job and 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 I get to, you know, I go to a job and every day I, I sleep for two hours before I get started. But nobody ever says anything, right? I'm just gonna go back the next day and sleep for two hours and start my job when I feel like starting, right? Nobody says anything. And then what happens is if they do finally say something, they go You know what? I do this every day. What? It's not a big deal. I sleep for two hours every day before. Now you want to fucking break my rules about, it? right? I think it was a cop in Florida, right? Who had 79, um, I think it was 78 or 79. Uh, right, yeah. right, 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 right. I mean, that's just that's just ridiculous. And even the guy that killed George Floyd, he had, I don't know how many, 20, 21. He already shot and killed somebody, so on and so forth. So I was watching, uh, oh, maybe a little off. I'll be back. Hold on. All right. Yeah, the light. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Should I keep going or are we waiting for it? Keep, on, yeah. keep, no, yeah, keep going, here. keep going, keep going. I was watching Joe Rogan, and the I don't know if you guys you guys don't follow about it, but the greatest bodybuilder, in my opinion, that ever lived. Uh, Ronnie Coleman, Ronnie was, Coleman a prof- was a police officer throughout the time he was a bodybuilder. And he was on Joe Rogan last week, and he said yes, in uh, and, and my precinct, he was in a, a cop in Arlington, Texas, and he said, in my precinct, if we got if we got in trouble three times, you got fired. That was it. Mm. Three times. Three strikes and you were out. 79 times? Come on, that's just ridiculous. Right? You know, and 78 times, 79 times. So, of course, they're going to look at you of course he's going to have his knee on his neck while well, you got the phone on him going, you're really going to kill this man right now? And he's like, yeah, exactly. I'm really going to kill this man right now. Because in his head, he knows shit going to happen to me. Right? And that's the problem. And that's the problem. There has to be some surprises. surprises. There has to be consequences there. And, and look, uh, even if, if you're a cop and you and you do something like that, you should have, but at the very least be fired and not be able to be a cop somewhere else. At least.
0: Yeah. Well, sorry, I'm trying to go to my notes. I have like something written down. Uh, I have a question for you guys, and this may sound ridiculous, but this is just an idea that I saw online. Like, should like police unions be illegal? Say that again? Should, should police unions be illegal?
2: That's a tough, that's a tough one. And let me, let me, let me, let me tell you why it's a tough one. It's human nature to take advantage of something when you have power. So right now we see unions with all the power and they take advantage of it. Before there were unions, the the working man was completely taken advantage of because the bosses were like, well, if you don't put in 12, 14, 16 hour workdays, we're just going to get somebody else to replace you. Right? That's a difficult question. I don't really have the answer for that. I think you 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 need some kind of union, but it becomes the, the we see it all the time, you know, and it's unfortunate. Uh, one thing you can do, I think, is have a, another agency. Kind of look over the union to make sure they're operating right, and and not operating, you know, crookedly or any, have any kind of an agenda. That might be a possibility, right? Um, but like when you see it now in baseball, right? I mean, they can't they can't agree for uh, ten million dollars. You're gonna pay me the fifteen I go for the year, and it's just becomes it just becomes a power struggle, and then, then you have no baseball. Right? Um, it, unions are necessary but at the same time uh once the, once the power gets too great it becomes disastrous you know it, it really it really does i mean i'll give you an example okay i, I come from blue collar world, world i don't know if it's like this anymore local like local three electricians one of the largest local one of the largest unions in, in new york city i mean they are one of the largest one of the strongest unions in new york city at one time i don't know if it's true anymore the union uh wouldn't allow them to carry their own ladders. Hmm. They needed a laborer on the job to carry the ladder for them. Now, I don't know if it's as extreme anymore, but this is going back like to the nineties. Okay. So um and that's what I mean by abuse of power. I mean that's ridiculous. You know, first of all, the ladders are aluminum, which they have to be, because they don't conduct electricity. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Not, I'm sorry, not aluminum. Uh I'm sorry, uh uh fiberglass, I apologize. They, they don't use aluminum ladders. So they ladders of fiberglass, which is very light. I mean, but it's just so that's what I mean by abuse of, abuse of power. Right. But if you take that power away, you're definitely, that power is going to go into somebody else's hands. There's no question about it. And I'm just speaking from experience. And we, we see it over and over. You we we see it in every walk of life. So, like 120 years ago, if I got mad at my wife, and it was 1900 and she got lippy, if I backhanded her one, it was no big deal, right? Because they couldn't do anything about it. I had all the power. I'm the husband. I'm making the money. You're making dinner. And, pow, you give me a complaint, I'm going to crack you. Mm. So the flip, you know, <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> so that's, that's an abusive power. So if you flip it around, so now what you have is, the, the the power has gone completely on the opposite side of the, of, of, of the chart where the women kind of have the power now, but they're not violent, okay? That's not their instinct to be violent, right? Their instinct is to be manipulative, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay? So, if you do something I don't like, I'm calling the police and telling them that you hit me. And we see that happen all the time. And people guys have lost their jobs, so on and so forth. Now, I'm not saying that guys still don't do that those those guys still there's guys out there that still do that and they, they deserve whatever punishment they, they get but there are women that will manipulate and abuse that power that's just human nature and it's terrible and the only way to, i think to resolve that is to have another agency to look over it and make sure they operate correctly
0: that's just my opinion i feel like this the entire this the at the root of this conversation like the one thought that I'm doing a
2: hell of a lot better I'm sorry to cut you off I'm doing a hell of a lot better than I thought I would do on this fucking podcast I thought I was going to yeah. get my ass reamed <laughs>
0: <laughs> wait did you expect like tough questions or like real personal shit like because I could go there because I got questions about bodybuilding and all that shit in your
1: head,
0: but, uh, but I'm, let me just finish my point. Like, I feel like just the root of this, like, all this speculation of what we need to do and shit like that, I think that's, like, the real problem. Like, I feel like the way the system is designed, it's designed in a way where it's just, there'll be so many, like, solutions, but not anything concrete. And I think it's really fucked up because it's, like, especially as black people, like, we were born into the system, we were born into this, in these, into these traps, and there's no way, there's, it's really hard to climb your way out, even as you ascend up the financial ladder, right, so it's just, like, we're just stuck in, like, this, the barrel, right, and it's just, like, it's just frustrating, like, just it's, I mean, this is a good, healthy conversation that people need to hear, but it's, like, at the root of it, it's, like, we have these conversations back and forth all day, but it's, like, what can we do, like, I'm, at this point, I'm, like, sick, I'm tired, of like, talking about anything. Like, I really... I haven't been to a protest or a riot yet. Like, I I plan to within the next week. But it's just, like, I really do, like... It's just, like, built-up aggression, and I understand these people. I don't... Again, I don't understand the support the looting aspect of it, but I just... I'm sick of this system. Like, I'm really sick of this country. Like, I'm not really... I'm not... I don't feel proud to be from here. Like, the way the the other people in these other countries stare at us, like, I'm kind of right with them. Like, it's just... It's just a. This is This is city. I'm sorry. I had to get that out. Like
2: no, it's fine. And, and it's and it's and it's. It's understandable because that's your reality, right? It, just because it's not my reality doesn't mean it's not yours, and it doesn't mean it's not wrong, right? It's completely understandable because when you see it, you know. All right. So I only see, the the George Floyd death. I can only imagine. Other things that, like we said, haven't been caught on camera, and 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 it's been going on for generation after generation after generation, and odds are it will happen again because it's just been going on for so long, right? I mean, I'm only 44, and I remember, I remember from as 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 long as I can remember, there has been racial tension and and uh, deaths and beatings and so on and so forth and problems. It's understandable that you feel that way. Um, I can't comment on how the black community could help change itself because I'm not from that community. So, I'm, I I'm not going to give my opinion on how the black community could 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 correct itself to help. But the only thing I could say is that if you're that if you're that passionate about change, then then maybe you should go into some politics. I mean, think about it. Think about it. There there is not one Democrat since Barack Obama that has been... uh, that has moved people. I mean, not one. I mean, you look at the Democratic debates. I mean, uh, Joe Biden. I mean, the the guy is like... He's literally... He almost belongs in a home. It's terrible. Get dementia, yeah. Yeah. Hillary Clinton. I mean, you know, this is... So, uh, maybe... Maybe it's time. Maybe the system needs somebody like yourself or needs a group of people like yourself to, to go in, enter, and say, okay, you know, I'm going to do my best to change it from the inside out. Just, just a suggestion. Just a possibility. I feel like there's a lot
1: of small, like, because we were having this conversation when we had um, our, our last guest on here and we were talking about different things that need to change as far as, like, Having more Black people trying to get involved with their local politics, trying to get them into different positions of power, even, like, at the local level, because that's how we'll have more control over our communities. You know, a lot of the times, that's why I'm looking at the riots and the protests, and I'm like, that's cool, that's making a lot of noise, and it's getting a lot of attention, and it's doing something. But we want long long-term change. If we want long-term change, it's gonna have to be reconstructing the intricate parts of systemic racism and trying to attack it by going, like John said, from the inside out. You know, it's restructuring how the system is. And it starts off by putting certain people in place. But that can only work if our allies, who are those who are already in power, can help and vouch for those who are trying to get in those positions because this be true and be real we need allies in order to make real change right just like jeff you were saying if we got to go to the source of the problem the source of the problem could also be the source of the solution right the people yeah. who are the ones with the power they have to find a way to loosen up their grip but how do we get that you know what i'm saying how do we get
2: that yeah <laughs> It's difficult because a lot of the people that are on, uh, the congressmen and senators, are very old and they've been there for a long time. You know? They're stuck in their ways. Yeah, and it's but just because something's difficult doesn't mean that it shouldn't. People shouldn't take a chance and try it because if you don't, you're just stuck in the same position. Stuck in the same position. So you know, you need somebody that is motivating and intelligent and is able to deal with. People of different races and different ideologies, in order to create change, and we really haven't, we really haven't had anybody like that since Barack Obama. You know, Trump has a different personality. It's my way or the highway, right? It, it's, mm. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know. And and but he he's not uh, he's not the quote unquote politician that Barack Obama
0: was, you know. I feel uh, I feel like what didn't happen with Obama will happen with Trump, right? And what I mean by that is like. When Obama got into office, I feel like as a black community collectively, we developed uh, a level of comfort that we didn't need. I feel like when he got into the office, we had a we a lot of us probably thought like, oh, we finally have a black president. He's gonna make some real changes. And although he did, it it made us lazier and, and I feel like it it made us even more stagnant than we stagnant than we were before he got into office. And I feel like what what didn't happen with Obama is more people of color, both men and women who took the initiative to educate themselves politically and to try to work and strive towards to be like him and surpass him. But I feel like what's going to happen with Trump is the people who abide by that same level of hate and uh, resonate with what his message is, or they're going to continue the cycle after him. Like, when he says that whole Trump 2024 thing, like, and beyond, like, I don't... I obviously don't mean... I don't think he means him, like, and not his family, but the people who, who follow him. Like, they're going to take... fill those spots in the, in the offices... And it's just gonna be a continuous cycle of bullshit. Like I, like the level of comfort that the black community developed after while Bong was in office was like the main thing that really poisoned us in a way, in my opinion. And I mean, I feel like maybe I'm part of the problem. Like I feel like I'm I'm really passionate and stuff like that, but like I don't I don't politics isn't really my thing,
2: but but it doesn't have to be politics. I mean it could be it could be anyway. So the politics are obviously you're very articulate you're intelligent, and teaching, right? If you wanna teach, you know, high school, middle school, college, and you're, and you're educating the youth, you know, that also can help toward change. And we, we've seen that, right? We, this is the first time I've seen so many young, white people protesting right next to black people. This is the first time in life I've ever seen so many. I mean, it's always been there, but not now it's extreme. Now yeah, there's a okay. lot, you know? Um, just... It was just a suggestion. If politics isn't your thing, there's other ways and like I said, it could be teaching, it could, it could be, it could be, you know, um, a, a, just a community uh, activities, you know, like, I'm sure they have like some kind of big brother community thing, you know, so on and so forth. Um, one of the things that, that they used to have, I don't think they have it anymore, was the uh, police athletic league. And you know, kids from the inner city used to be able to go and uh um, there would be cops there that would teach young kids to box, or they would teach young kids to play basketball, or teach young kids, and that, that's, that's gone too. That's something that could, you know, that, that needs to be, I think, should be put back into practice. But, you know, there's plenty of ways to help your community. That's as far as I could suggest uh, because I'm, like I said, I'm not part of that community. So I don't think I'm in a position where I should suggest any more than that. I think... Yeah. I think that change in your community has to come from you, and I don't think I'm—I don't think I'm uh, qualified to speak on that because I'm not part of that community. I, I definitely <laughs> think
0: even platforms because like this podcast are super valuable. Like just seeing rep- more representation in different fields. You know, sorry to cut you off.
2: No, it's fine. It's fine. I've been talking this whole thing. Are you kidding?
0: But. Um, Yeah, just even just more platforms like this, just more representation on all fronts, not just politically is what we need. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about it.
1: And and I think more open conversations need to be had, even between like, even though John's a liberal person, a white person, I wouldn't be opposed to having a conversation with somebody who is conservative. Or somebody who you know why, because those conversations will uncover a lot of misunderstandings from the two opposing sides. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I feel like, in general, podcasting, you know, radio, interview, whatever, I think people who have opposing positions need to start coming in the same room
2: yeah. and
1: having open dialogue and being Because a lot of the times, A lot of times, Black people, we're just trying to understand where the hate comes from. I think if we start to understand... And I know it's different case by case, right? It might have been their exposure to that particular group of people. It might have been a personal experience, some kind of traumatic event that might have happened to them to, you know, force them to generalize and now create a stereotype that they follow, right? But until we start having those conversations and working through it, I feel like it's... You know, that's where it really... Like learning how to empathize. Like, it's it might sound crazy, right? Trying to empathize with somebody who's racist or somebody who's, uh, you know what I'm saying? But we need to fucking understand why the fuck they think like that. We, yeah. it's, okay. a, it's an illness.
2: Why? We also got to understand that racist people are going to be racist no matter what. The hardcore racists are going to be racist no matter
1: what.
2: But those are only a small percentage of people. Right, the, the the people that just come out and go, that's it. The black people are the way they are, and that's it. Right, um, and they wouldn't use that word. They'd use the other word. Yeah. You're never going to change their mind. Okay, but there are people that have a particular ideology that you can have an open discussion with. But it's difficult. It's because I, I you know I've had this I've had discussions with family members and friends, and it's. Difficult to get them to understand and like I said, I'm not gonna say I understand Because I'm not black. And I'm not from the community, but he, 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 My question was why don't I understand? Hmm. And that's what opened me up a little bit more Why is it that the entire black community with the exception of some are outraged? right and the, and the white community is like not so much now There are a lot of... there are a lot of white people that are, but the Republican, conservative, blue-collar guy, more so is not. They're not willing to go, um... Okay, let's have a discussion. Because what happens is, you could show them facts, you could show them stats, you could show them everything. People's emotions trump everything. Right. All right? And... and we see That's how people vote. That's how, I mean, That that's how people act. That's the, that's just the case. maybe. So uh, I'll give you an example, right? Like, um, a, a, a big thing that a white person will throw out, or, or a white conservative blue collar guy, like people that I'm around all the time, they'll say, well, cops kill more white people every year than black people. It's sort of true, but it's sort of not. But cops kill a hell of a lot more unarmed black people in disproportionate numbers, right? But they don't want to hear that. They don't want to. If I say that, they just they just oh you're a liberal. They don't they don't want to hear that because their their emotions are they just want to be right. They can't be they can't be wrong. I don't think I'm a liberal or conservative. If you show me stats and you show me proof, that I have to believe it, right? So the white people are getting killed are the, are the criminals and yeah but we're talking about unarmed black people that might might just get pulled over for a red light or or a traffic ticket or whatever the case may be those people are getting killed in, in disproportionate numbers as opposed to you know white people and and so when i when you try to say something like that you know it just it just becomes ugh oh. now now don't get me wrong when I, what I personally has to happen is they just got to, those people have to come kicking and screaming, you know and for the most part those for the most part those people the people that i'm talking about believe what they believe but they're not in a position to stop you guys from progressing right they're basically going to work every day taking care of their families believe what they believe and they go on and they might They might bitch and moan at work at lunchtime or something like that. But they're not in a position of power. So progress can happen. And you can have a conversation with people that are willing to be open-minded. But those people that aren't, they're just going to have to deal with it. And most of the time, that's all they do is bitch and moan and complain. And they're going to, they just deal with it. They, they just complain. And they go. I don't understand. I don't get it. You know, just like, go to work. I did. I went to work. I support my family. I don't get into any trouble. Why do they? They're unwilling to look at, look a little deeper. Those people you're never going to get through. But at, at the same time, thank God, the majority of those people aren't in the positions of power. People like we were talking about before that are in. Positions are kind of like senators and congressmen that have been there forever. If that's their ideology, those people have to be removed or, removed or whatever, you know, voted out or wait for them to die or whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. They're just, yeah. they're just, at one point, they're all going to die, man. Like, but then they're passing down their ideology down to their to, to their kids. Because there's still some people who are relatively young, right, that kind of adopt some of this, some of the, some of these uh, ideologies. Like I've seen somebody on on social media, it went viral, and I think, uh, uh, Charlamagne, the guy, gave them donkey of the day. It was this young white couple talking about how they were basically making a video about how to make a nigger, right? What was well, that again? They, they were making a video, I think it was on uh, Instagram or Twitter, and it was how to make a nigga. How to make a nigga. How to make a nigga. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. So, they put, uh, like, the ingredients were, like, uh, oh, I don't have my dad around, Pop. Like,
2: old oh, stories.
1: Yeah. So, they were trying to be funny, and they were, like, in their 20s. So, it's, like that shit right there scares me because it's like, how can you be that young and have that mentality? Yeah, You know, it has to be passed down from your parents, your family, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, yo, to be living in 2020 right now and to be a young person who's racist, your mind is
2: fucked. Like, your mind has to be fucked. See, those people don't think they're racist. They think just because they don't use the N-word. They're not racist, right? They and Oh, it's a joke or whatnot. Um, The flip side is, there's plenty of young people. I think the majority of young people that are in college and are able to be in a uh, position of power in the future are more than minded. Yeah, I
1: agree. A majority.
2: Yeah, um, a yeah, majority. But, like, listen, dude. It ain't gonna. It, it, what, whatever the, the whatever the process is, it's not gonna be easy. Yeah. You know. Um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. And you know. And we and you and the, your community needs people like you to get out there and try and just just like this podcast, this alone helps, right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, just having this this conversation right here helps, and there's plenty of other ways uh, uh, to help. Um, I personally don't know where the world would be without
0: Black culture. That's just a fact. Like from the style to the music to the influence, I don't know where the world would be. Oh, it, uh, it is it young been, white people who are racist need to think about that going forward.
2: It has been so the, the black culture has been so influential with 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 no credit. I mean you you look at a commercial, you can look at an ATT commercial and they have some you know popular rap song jingle in the back and you're like, Oh shit, that's fucking so and so. Or you have white kids that emulate black uh uh you know black artists like a like a Who's that? Uh, what's that kid's name? I, I couldn't stand him actually. but what, what the hell's his name? Lil Wayne. No, 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 my kid. Um, what the hell's his name? Justin Bieber. <laughs> 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 you know, can't stand that fucking kid. But you know, but he he emulates, you know, black artists and black yeah, culture, and uh, I mean, and there's a there's a ton of them. There's a there's a there's a bunch of them, and. I mean, even if you go back to my generation, right? I mean my generation was in the nineties. The hip hop culture was so powerful in the nineties that at I grew up where I grew up and I was still wearing my pants down around my fucking ass <laughs> <laughs> with kumas, with fat shoelaces and my hat backwards and my put up, and if you didn't see my skin color, you wouldn't know whether I was black or white. Yeah. That's, how, that's how, that's how, that's how powerful it was. It really, it really, you know, and um, corporate America capitalized on that. You know, they, they just, like I said, they, they, you know, they take something like that and they go, okay, well, let's develop uh, a white version of so-and-so, so then you get a vanilla ice kind of guy, you know, um, And 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 it it just it gets it gets the 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 hip hop culture has been so it has been so powerful and and has been so motivational with with not much credit. Like you see it, right? You go, I know that 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 uh, I know that the hip hop world has created millionaires and billionaires and tremendous businessmen, but they don't get nobody says it. Nobody they get no credit. Right? I mean, you know, you talk about... And and those people have tremendous businesses and companies that black people and make great living and no credit whatsoever. Yo, (laughs) outside
0: of that, you can't be racist and like sports. Some of your favorite players that carry your team when you're sitting in the fucking stands or sitting at home are fucking black. You can't be racist and get a spray tan. Like yeah. this is some dumb shit that that some white people do and like it just it just doesn't make any sense to me. How can you be cheering in the stands for LeBron and you get home, you call him a nigga, you tell him to shut up and dribble. Like shit like that, I just don't understand. But
2: yeah, it is
0: uh it is
2: um that's a, that is a that is a tough question. Um <laughs> that is a tough question because I I am a huge boxing fan. Huge, huge boxing fan. And I loved Mayweather. Loved them. And I had friends, white friends, that would say he's a typical N word. And I'm just like, why? Because he talks shit? Because he's flashy? I mean, like, Italians don't talk shit and they're not flashy? Right. You guys talk Give shit. me a friend. I watched The Sopranos, John. Yeah. I know. About <laughs> I mean, if you ever go to an Italian wedding, be a bartender at an Italian wedding, you will clean up okay because it's just everything is cash and Ooh. they gotta throw it around like it's like when I got married, the my wife went back like a week later to pick up the uh, I think some of the centipedes or something like that and the bartender said that we only had like a hundred people at our at our wedding right and the bartender told my wife, I made the same amount of money as if there were two hundred people at your wedding <laughs> <laughs> and I mean the jewelry I mean even me man like I mean, you know, C.R. saw me, you know, in the back of his car. But if I go out, I have, I have, uh, I have a diamond watch that my wife bought me. I got a big diamond rings around. I have chains, so on, and so forth. It, it's just, it's just, and and I have suits. My brothers too. We have suits that are tailor made, right? It's not just. Now that was before. That culture was wasn't influenced by hip hop, but hip hop has influenced that onto other white cultures like you see a lot of kids in middle america that do that shit right but you know my father my grandfather and you've seen like the frank sinatra videos and the dean martin and everything was tuxedos and jewelry and looking good and so on and so forth and like you said you see the sopranos you know it is completely hypocritical but that that's why i am completely obsessed with human nature because it's not it is simple but complicated at the same time. Like, you can call a person a hypocrite and know they are, but they don't believe that they are, okay? Yeah. And it's just, just, it's mind-blowing. It really, it really
0: is, you know? Uh, so I'm not sure if CR mentioned this to you at any point before you come on the show, but this podcast is kind of, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's an ode to people who suffer from mental health issues because I suffer from depression. And this podcast, was birthed from my depression. Uh, podcasts were one of my main escapes. So when I got to a place for, like, a certain amount of time where I, I was good, I decided to take advantage and create this platform to be a, that same form of escape for other people. Um, you seem like a very honest and very transparent person, and I'm curious, do you have any type of relationship with any mental health issues, depression, anxiety? And If so, can you
2: just share your experiences with us right quick? I've been dealing with depression and anxiety since I am 10 years old. I'm on hundred milligrams of Zoloft every night. I still see a therapist mm. and I have had massive anxiety attacks. So I'm like the perfect person to talk about this about. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, where do you want to start? I remember my first panic attack was when I was 10 years old. You know, I didn't know what it was. And I remember telling my parents, I remember saying to my parents, uh, I feel like I'm dreaming. I feel like I'm dreaming, but I was having like an out of body experience. Like I didn't know what it, what it was. Um, and then it happened again when I was about a m- massive panic attack. I mean, I have had I had anxiety attacks that lasted that lasted hours, and then they would they would dip down and I'd be fine for a couple of days, and then, boom, they would spike up. That was what, like when I was about 19, and then it happened again when I was about 27, and then it happened again not long ago, actually. I mean, it it, it kind of when it, when it comes to attacks, you can't cure them. It's impossible to cure, but the only thing you can do is increase the amount of time in between them. So, and there are there are ways to go about that. Like, you know, there's obviously medication, but should obviously be taken responsibly. Okay. Um, exercise. Exercise is the number one. That's why most athletes don't suffer from anxiety, or depression, because um, um, they have such endorphin high from being so athletic. Exercise is number one. Taking care of yourself, vitamins, middle. Another one that a lot of people don't realize is structure. You need structure in your life. If you have structure in your life and you have responsibility and you have to get up and go to work and you mean something to yourself and mean something to somebody else and that gives you value, that also helps with depression and anxiety Mm. because you know you're worth something. And, um... It's 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 a tremendous issue, and it is a shame that the media during this coronavirus has not covered that topic much, because I think I, I have to I, I this is the only uh, lockdown then people that actually died from the coronavirus. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right, but you'd have to Google it and, and check it out. Check right. it out. Um, n- the media doesn't talk about suicide, attempted suicide, domestic violence, depression, anxiety. They don't talk about any of that during the lockdown. And that is a huge, huge issue during this lockdown. And it just doesn't get enough attention. It gets no attention. It gets zero attention. Right. And how to deal with it gets zero attention you know, um, and it's, it's just, it's just like, way your mask and stay home. It's
0: not
2: that <laughs> easy. You know, it's not that easy, you know. It's it, bad. It's, and, and i see it. You know, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I could, I could talk about it all day long. And it's, it, it, what helped me was structure, therapy, uh, creating value. I got to my real quick now. Okay, all right, Structure therapy, be creating a value for myself, Um, meaning getting married and having responsibilities, and um, exercise, working out, that has totally helped. Not only, not only, not only through like just uh, physio, uh, uh, not only through biology where like it increases your endorphins, but it increased my confidence as Mm. well. Yeah, same. And I know some some is worse than others, like I know there are certain depressions where you are in a rut, right, and you're, you're in a rut, and it's just a bad time, and you have to get yourself out, and then there are certain depressions where it is a um, chemical imbalance, and you may need medication to help, right, and I know certain, certain ones are more severe than others. All of it can be helped. It can't be cured, but it could be. If you get just you got any questions just shoot. <laughs> no, no,
0: no i was I was gonna ask about because uh, clearly we're still in quarantine and lockdown. and um, the loss of structure, the loss of routine is what I lost at the beginning of this. and I'm curious how you managed to adjust into this new reality that we're in.
2: Well, I'm one of the lucky ones where I um, was con- my job was considered essential, so I never got laid off. Oh, you should, yeah. Yeah, but that being said, um, I have a degree in psychology, and I've had life experiences, so that this is, these are things I can comment on. If you are one of one of the people that have been uh, furloughed and stay home and so on and so forth, you have to find you have to. Cre- I know it's difficult, but you have to create a structure for yourself. You have to find something that you like to do while you're home doing nothing. So it could be anything, anything, but get up early in the morning and start. So get up early in the morning. It's nice out now. Where, you know, we're in, we're in Jersey, New York, whatever, you go for a 20 minute run, go for a 20 minute power walk. okay? And, and get the juices flowing. And then create a project, start a project. Give yourself some kind of value, some kind of structure. Until this whole thing goes back and we can go back to work, right? Hopefully, you're getting like some unemployment, so you you know you'd be able to pay your bills and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but that is because I can't say the only exercise you could do is go outside and run, bike ride, do something like that. That's that's a necessity. That that needs to be done. Uh, do it early in the morning. Force yourself to get up and and do it. And then find something that you could get lost in. I don't care what it is. Something build something, to get anything. I don't care if it's planting fucking flowers. Anything. To give yourself some structure and some value. Otherwise, you will easily get lost into nothing. And, uh, loneliness and no structure and no value could lead to tremendous problems with depression and anxiety. Uh, so much so that sometimes these people don't come back from it, as we've seen from suicide. Man, the
0: the loss of the gym was the hardest part for me, because, like, I've been trying to adjust from working from home to work out from home, but like I, I'm I didn't lose my job or anything, but like the only thing that I really lost as far as my routine goes is the loss of the gym. Like that was like my sanctuary. Like that was the one place where I can get it all out, an hour and two session, come home and be and, and chill. But the fact that I'm still in the four walls that I, I wake up in every morning, every day, and try to work out from home, it just doesn't hit the same. Even going outside. <laughs> It doesn't hit the same, okay. so it's just not like.
2: Okay. Just um, you know, I did the same thing. I uh, the gym was my sanctuary. That was my therapy, right? Even though I don't compete anymore, I still hit the gym five days a week, so on and so forth. Um, I was lucky enough where I have a house, and I was me and my wife emptied the garage, the shed, sorry, and we put a bunch of workout stuff in there, right? and I and I try to get a workout in there. It's not the same, but it's at least it's something um because you don't realize it's not just the gym and working out it's part of the structure you go you you go to work you come home you put on your gym clothes you go to the gym you socialize you see people you make friends you have gym friends everybody likes to look at chicks in yoga pants right (laughs) you know and all and and then that's taken away from you and that's difficult but that is anybody with any kind of hobby if it's taken away from you, right? If you like to go golfing on the weekends, boom. Now you can't go golfing with your friends, so on and so forth. If you want a softball league, you no, know, can't do that. Anything. And <laughs> listen, I'm no doctor, I'm no scientist. I have, like I said, I have a, I have a degree in, uh, I have a master's degree, I have a bachelor's degree. And I always looked at it from that standpoint. And And I knew from the beginning that this was not gonna go well. When it came to mental health with this lockdown, it's it's inevitable. It's it's not even questionable. It's, it's not even an argument. From, from, from the from very beginning, I mean, I, I didn't agree with it, but at the same time, we didn't know what we were dealing with. Uh, the problem we're having now is we know what we're dealing with now, yeah, and we're still on the fucking lockdown. I mean, things are loosening up here and there, but it's very difficult. You guys got to give me a minute, all right? I'm gonna go to the bathroom.
0: Yeah, sure, sure.
1: So, when he comes back, I think we should uh, start getting ready to get into
0: this or that and start wrapping up. Yeah. Right. But um, it's just crazy out here, man. People getting shot in their fucking house. Uh, five black dudes were lynched last week. It's just been a lot for my mental, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just a lot to absorb. There's like a, a, a lot to fucking absorb, yo. It's a
1: lot, bro. I mean,. At the same time, I'm not saying be ignorant, but shield yourself because I was listening to Sean Levine, the God, and he was saying that it's like you're re dramatizing yourself every time you're watching videos of violence. You know, black people be getting, you know what I'm saying, attacked and stuff like that. Like, we know what's going on and we got to find a way to do something about it. But right. at the same time, you got to protect your energy too and your mental. And constantly exposing yourself to that every day is contributing to that
0: heaviness. You feel me? Yeah. Uh, You want to get into this or that? So, John.
2: Yeah.
1: There's a segment on this show called "This or That." All right. It's it's a game between two impossible ultimatums. The way the game is played is you have two choices. You can't. ask me to explain the choices, but you can't explain your choice. But you must choose one. Okay. We usually start where the guest answers, and then Jeff, and then I'll answer. So everybody answers. All right. Are you ready? Shoot. (laughs) Jeff, are you ready? Yeah, man.
0: All right. It's about to be a shit show.
1: Would you rather... Cherry pie with some heroin baked in it, or apple pie with some cocaine baked in it. You have to
2: choose. I choose first. Yes, the cocaine, the pie, apple pie with cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> not, even, not even debatable. Not even debatable. <laughs> yeah. I can give me my reasons why, even if you don't want me to give you my reasons why. Oh, <laughs> Uh, uh, first of all, I, I can't, I hate downers. I can't, like, if I, I hated, like, when I had anxiety attacks and my doctor would give me Xanax, I fucking hated you taking them. I hate downers, right? Um, uh, I love my pre-workout. That gives me a high, kind of, like, sort of, sort of, like, a, 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 a low, a low grade cocaine. And my uncle was a heroin addict, my father's oldest brother, and my, uh, my niece, her boyfriend died of a heroin overdose, um. Last year and a half ago? Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a good question. Fucking cocaine all the way, baby. (laughs) Coke, baby. (laughs)
0: That's
2: right.
0: Yeah, I'm going with the apple pie, too. Just because I like apple pie more. That's it. (laughs) 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 I'd I'd rather just be high with some apple pie. That's it. Yeah, I'd probably do the apple pie, too. All
1: right. Scrambled eggs with broken shells. Or cold watery mac and
2: cheese. Oh, scrambled eggs broken shells. So I need that Ooh. protein. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it gets it gets it gets harder. <laughs> okay. I gotta fucking chill thinking about those. Um, I've had some cold watery mac and cheese at like four four a.m. one time. It wasn't bad. <sighs> It was like that Boston Market mac and cheese. That shit is watery as hell. Boston Market good. Straight yeah. out the box. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you doing the mac and cheese? Yeah, yeah. Nah, I, I think I'm gonna have to do those scrambled eggs, bro. <laughs> 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 All right. Eat the rest of a random person's PB&J with a bite missing or... Drink the rest of a soda off of a homeless guy.
2: Oh, the pbj and J. Oh, I was. not How how many, how many <laughs> uh, Let me let me ask some do I get a chance to throw questions at you? Because I got a bunch of questions like this I can throw at you. <laughs> you can't
1: explain you can't ask me to explain the options. That's fine. But you can ask
0: questions.
2: Okay, well do you wanna continue with yours?
0: Jeff, um, I don't know, man. I've seen some. I've seen some good-looking homeless people. I've seen some clean-looking homeless people. What homeless people are you looking at? <laughs> 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 I've yo, never hey, seen a good-looking yo. homeless person in my life. <laughs> Let what? me explain, man. They're out there. What? What?
2: I <laughs> do you see yeah. a homeless person in Beverly Hills? What kind of homeless person? <laughs> <laughs> Yo. So you, okay. you, that, you see that? a homeless person in Montclair? Is Yo, that
0: what you're saying? You walk the streets in New York City around like maybe 2 30 a.m. going on three. You might see a little fine homeless journey. Oh, so you go,
1: so you, go to drink,
2: you you're gonna drink, I, I, drink, I, I, drink, I, I, drink you gonna drink that? Yo, I, I think the dirty I think it's just gonna lock down too long. You need to get some pussy. I think that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> No. Uh, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, I'll go yeah. to
0: soda though. Fuck
1: it, I'm parched. Fuck it. That, that's that's a whole different type of dirty sprite. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I, I think I might do the PB and J. You know, you're hungry ass going for the PB and J. Fuck out of here. Okay, I'll say? All, All right. right, next one eat a
1: sandwich prepared by a guy who just used the bathroom at work and didn't wash his hands, or drink soup that the chef
2: dipped his balls in. Now, if I go with the first one. <laughs> yeah. I want nothing to do with male genitalia. Mm-hmm. Keep that shit as far away from me as fucking possible. That's why, that's, why, that's why I had two chances in my life to have a threesome with another guy and both of the times I was like, no fucking way. There's no, <laughs> there's no fucking way I'm doing it. It's Im- first of all, first of all, all right, what if, okay? I have a threesome with my friend, right? And all of a sudden he pulls out this shit that he looks like fucking, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. Like just punk <laughs> like a drunk. And I'm here with my fucking six inches, like, uh oh, um, you know what? <laughs> um, <laughs> And and then the other thing is, the other thing is, what, how, how long is a woman's torso? Like what, like maybe, maybe two and a half feet, three, I (laughs) mean, if you're a WNBA chick, like, okay, maybe four feet, right? But But other than that, that, it's probably two and a half feet, three feet, right? And I'm on one end and you're on the other. If you pull out, two and a half feet is not much for a load to travel. It is not and you would hit me in the chest or in the stomach <laughs> or even come close, like, <laughs> you landed There's in <laughs> I would, I would fucking freak the fuck. I would not, I would have to, I would, no fucking way would I be able to handle it. No. Like that. Oh no fuck. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Next question.
0: <laughs> that, wait, did, did you answer, Jeff? Yo, don't even ask me. You know what? I'm, I'm not. I don't want no. do no niggas. Balls. Fuck out of here. <laughs> what are you even asking me for, bro? So, so we're all going for sandwich. <laughs> all right, all right, all
1: right. Um, next category is people. Um, Fifty Cent or Rick Ross?
2: Fifty Cent.
0: Of course, Fifty.
1: Fifty. All right. Scarlett Johansson or Jessica Alba?
0: Scarlett Johansson. They look like the yeah. same person to me. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I really don't Scarlett
1: Johansson
2: Scarlett Johansson in the movie, in the movie uh, Don Don oh, Fuck, what was the name of that movie? She actually was supposed to be a girl from Jersey. Oh, Don John. Don John. Scarlett Johansson in that fucking movie. She was stupid hot. Yeah. It was mm. insane. The movie sucked, but she was smoking. Fuck, yo, bro,
0: hold on. You got to come back for a part two because that movie did not suck. That We're was gonna have sucked. to talk about that. That's all a right. good movie, uh, okay. but um, yeah. whichever everyone has, yes. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Scarlett Johansson. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going for Scarlett. All right, Melissa Ford or Amber Rose?
2: Amber Rose.
0: Amber. All day, Amber Rose. Amber Rose before she got the tattoo on her forehead. Uh, the tattoo
2: on the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> she could put. She could get. You can get the tattoo artist to put that same tattoo on my forehead if I can fuck Amber Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, look like somebody's had a little
0: gavel just stamped her head. Like, fuck out of here. Like.
1: I didn't see her new tattoo. I gotta look that up.
0: That shit's stupid.
1: Um, so you said Amber Rose or Melissa before, Jeff?
0: Yeah, uh, Amber before the tattoo on the face.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to say Amber Rose, too. I think she just overall is prettier than Melissa Ford. All right. Uh Kiki Palmer or Lori Harvey? I'm
2: going to have to Google both of them because I don't know who the fuck they are. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling he was
1: going to say that. Yo, I had a feeling he was going to say that, yo.
2: <laughs> no fucking clue. Pass. You,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I'd probably go with Kiki Palmer, man. I'm not going to lie.
1: Really, Kiki? Okay. Larry Harvey's
0: like 20 years old, I think, right? Fuck out of here. All right, all right, all
1: right. Now, now we're here. going into scenarios. Live in a one-bedroom apartment for one year with Flavor Flav or live in the same room as Wendy Williams for eight months?
2: Flavor Flav. <laughs> what? <laughs> I have a flavor flav and flavor flame gets pussy and I'm with flavor flame. <laughs> it's not like like uh, uh, we'd be going out. Let's go out. Let's let's you know I and mean, we nah. <laughs> what am I gonna be doing with what am I doing with Wendy Williams? What the hell am I gonna do with her? She'd have yeah. to be up at <laughs>
0: If it was Oprah, I would have said Oprah. I'm not gonna lie, but I'll share with Flav. Now I want a clock. I want One of them Flav. big ass clocks. The only reason I said Flav the is
1: because that ending is—he's—he's he's mad and annoying. He's really, but he does get a lot. Of, he probably does get a lot of pussy. I didn't think about that. But the, the reason I put him is because he's annoying as hell. He's very annoying. <laughs> but nah, I was still true flavor Flav. Yeah, I probably All right. To save your own life. Would you rather race um, Hussein Bolt or would you rather swim against Michael Phelps?
2: I lose both times. I would lose both. Times. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't. I don't know. It's like picking poison. I, I, I don't know. Maybe Hussein Bolt because uh, you know my death would come faster. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I can't swim, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to race uh, Usain. <laughs> yeah, I, I suck at swimming. It, it, at least I
1: won't drown if I if I race Usain Bolt, <laughs> I'll yeah. come out alive. Right. Uh, um All right. So, would you rather have sex with the same female, the baddest female you ever had, and not every time, or have sex with any woman you want? under any circumstance but you never get the climax. <laughs>
0: That's
1: a rough one. That was a suggested one from somebody special in my corner.
2: I'm gonna go with option B. Really? Yeah, only because at forty four years old I've 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 climaxed plenty. And and, it, and it's getting less and less um, pleasurable as I get older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you probably be yeah. tired as hell. That's
0: funny, so. Probably fall asleep right after.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm out cold. Forget it. Uh, um,
0: yeah, I'm probably going with option A, I think. That'd probably be easy. Yeah, that's fine. The baddest girl? Yeah, like she's bad. Like, bad. Wait, that I've ever been with? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. No. Um, well, either or. I didn't spe- specify. I just oh, okay. Said yeah. One. Okay. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. A. Hey.
1: I would go with A as well. Only because I feel like, what's the point of having sex if I, if I can't really, you know, get that, that ugh? Yeah, you know blue balls was- hurt, so. <laughs> All right. Last one. Would you rather slap box Mike Tyson with no gear, bare hands, or spar with Mike Tyson, full gear, but get real punches?
2: I'm going to take a slap because in the ring with Mike, that, that is brutal punishment. That is just brutal. You brutal do the slap punishment. boxing, no gear? I would just take the slap. I would just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that is brutal punishment being in the sparring with Mike Tyson. You guys are too too young to remember, but Mike Tyson had a problem finding sparring partners. He used to beat the shit out of them. they yeah. used to be scared shitless to fucking to get in the, the ring with him.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take the slap, but I'm going to sue his ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Word. I'll
1: probably do the slap boxing too. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's, that was the last one?
1: Yeah, that was the last
2: one. Can I get a, can I give can I give a plug? Yeah, you could shout out, yeah, I was gonna say, shout Girl. out
0: where people can find you, and support you. You were great. I really appreciate you coming on.
2: Thanks, man. Anytime. I'll do this anytime. And you guys gotta come on, on mine once I once Hell
0: I yeah. figure out how to work
2: it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um yeah, my YouTube channel is uh, serious and silliness on YouTube. And you could DM me on serious and silliness and on Instagram, or you could email me at Uncle John. 1201 at gmail.com and my my whole thing is about uh, human nature relationships more of a, a life coach kind of YouTube channel uh, human nature relationships confidence insecurities uh, anxiety depression but I try to be funny and entertaining at the same time I have two videos up now I think they're pretty good I think they're pretty funny yeah
0: um, that's
2: was funny Yeah. which one did you see? episode 2 Oh, and that's
1: okay. episode one. i got yeah. to see episode two. Episode one had me fucking crying. At, at Your episode, advice is hilarious. Yeah. The,
2: the last question on episode one, where it was more of the statement, Yeah. that that blew me away. I was like, wow. Okay. Somebody really left that, that, yeah. left that comment? All, all that's crazy. The, all the stories and questions are all real but I might change the names and, and, and things around so people don't get offended or don't know who it is right. and so on and so forth. But all of them, the baseball hat with Jay-Z, that's a true story. Uh, there's no, no no question about it. that. That was true. And I looked at that kid like he was fucking stupid, like you <laughs> really expectably that you uh, you saw Jay-Z shopping by himself for a Yankee hat in Midtown Manhattan. Right? And, and all Midtown, that, that was true. All that
0: when, I, yeah. when I heard that shit, I was like, yo. I, I was about to cut it off because I was like, I didn't believe it. I was, I was about to cut it off right there. It's like, this guy just got lied to, but fuck that. Yeah. I,
2: I, yeah, so we're gonna, I, I got, I'm gonna I keep it going. Like, I don't know, I gotta figure out what my next topic is gonna be, but it should be pretty, uh, it should be pretty interesting. So those are, those are the toughest, those are the toughest questions you got, huh? Those are the toughest ones?
1: Yeah, I kind of came up with these a uh, little last minute today. Can I give Can I give you a couple of questions?
0: Um, yeah,
1: we, we got like ten more minutes.
0: Yeah, you got like two good ones. All right. Uh,
2: would you rather die from the coronavirus mm-hmm. or save your mom's from the coronavirus by getting fucked in the ass?
0: Whoa. <laughs> I'll see y'all in the next lifetime. I'm done. <laughs> <Okay>. Right?
1: John. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to have to take that out, man. I'm going to have to die, man. Yeah.
0: I'll just get reincarnated as a tree or something. Fuck but then it. your
2: mom's going to die to take that out. Hey. It is what it she is. <laughs> <life>.
0: She <laughs> lives her life. She lives her life. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch me! Don't me. Don't go near me! Don't touch my asshole, please. She right. lives
2: her life, John. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it we'll leave it at that. Well,
0: because uh, we're, <laughs> we're <laughs> Cr. You want to shout out where people can find you?
1: Yeah, man. If you're listening to my voice right now, hop on Twitter and Instagram and follow me at Cr underscore nine zero eight. Brand new music coming out this
0: summer. Be sure to be on the lookout for it. Word. Follow us on Instagram at introverted intuition pod. Follow us on Twitter at introverted pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash introverted intuition. Uh if you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, email us at introvertedpod at yahoo.com. And uh yeah, that's it. Thank you so much again, John. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you guys. I appreciate everything, man. All right, y'all. Y'all be safe. All right, later.